I'm a lieutenant commander and Earth Force major. I do not take demands. If you have a request, I'll consider it. Very well, then. I request that you open a channel to Earth Dome. Request denied. Have a nice day. The security chief is framed. It's not justice you're after, Major. The perfect setup. It's blood or assassination. Garibaldi's in the line of fire on the next Babylon 5. You have transmissions holding. Patch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. Hey everybody, it's Scott from Gray17. Before we get into our Survivors discussion, I wanted to make a quick announcement. We have started a Patreon account, so first and foremost, we are so appreciative of all of you taking time to listen, to subscribe, and leave a review. But if you can go one step further and help us grow this podcast, we would really appreciate it. At the Patreon account, you'll see several different tiers that you can choose from, including the You Got Koshed tier at $3, which will give you access to our Discord, where we're going to be talking about the show itself, and then also giving you behind-the-scenes audio and video and other just fun little tidbits from our hosts. Then, if you go for the Team Ivanova tier at $6, you can get all of that, plus join us on monthly live Q&As that are only going to be open to our Patreons, where you can just chat with us and figure out what we like uh, in terms of Babylon 5, or just what we like in general, and just kind of get to know us more. And then, at the probed level, at $12 a month, you can probe the podcast and you can submit audio voicemails with your questions that will be played and answered directly on the podcast episode itself and then finally for those who can go the full amount we have the gray council which for $20 a month you will be an actual producer of the show and we will give you credit on every single episode you are supporting us as a producer and that being said we already have one so thank you to our first producer joseph wise for helping us out and keeping this podcast growing so again if you can't join us on patreon that is completely fine we really do appreciate you giving us a listen and making sure that you subscribe and give us a review as well too but if you can help us out on a monthly uh, donation level we would really really appreciate it we've got some great ideas about how we're going to continue to grow this thing and we've got some wonderful interviews coming your way as well as some ideas for some live events that we're going to be doing down the road but all that's going to take your support so if you could Check out patreon.com slash gray17podcast. And with that, I'll stop shilling, and we'll get on with the show. Thanks, everybody. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. Welcome to Gray17, a Babylon 5 podcast, a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois, and the 24th most popular TV reviews podcast in Germany. Thank you, Germany. Thank you. Uh, I would say uh, we're here to talk about Survivors. And not the next Phil Collins and David Hasselhoff. All the things you guys love in Germany. <laughs> Lionel Richie. 
I saw a lot, a lot of Lionel Richie posters when I was in Germany. You are going to send us to number 800 if you keep it up. I don't know. If we play Hasselhoff, I bet you we'll go up to 23 at least. My name is Muller. I'm two dots away from Mueller, which is like all of my cousins are tuning in right now. <laughs> we haven't even gotten through the intro yet and it's already derailed. Uncle yes, Mike, you been yes again? I have. Yes, we are. <laughs> from a proper glass because I'm a fan. This is why bitch. we should record for YouTube, but that's a whole nother story. Okay, so we're here talking about survivors. We're going to go ahead and talk about survivors, but before we do that, and I probably should have done this before, I did want to highlight a new review we got because we are begging, pleading, and doing everything possible to get you to review us on your podcast app of choice because you know what? We don't have many reviews and I would love to have some more. Send us your love mail, send us your hate mail, whatever you want, send it to us. But I'm going to read us a review here that just came in, guys. And it's actually a little bit of both, love and hate. So it's great. And the person they hate on isn't here right now. So it's even better. So this comes from Yuri (laughs) for John. John is touring Europe right now. He will be back, but he's uh, he's on vacation. Oh, by the way, I'm Scott, and with me as always is... Hey, guys, I'm Jesse. Blake. I'm Justin. I'm Nicole. I'm Emily. I am Hair Mike. Kevin. And Andrew. Okay, now we got that out of the way. Let me read the review from Yuri Hood. And Yuri Hood gives us five stars, although I don't think he gives all of us five stars to be honest been binging the first seven or eight episodes and now i'm mad i have to wait the rest for the rest of them some of the reactions from the noobs are great some are just vitriol not sure if you're trying to get attention or what but it's annoying (laughs) really enjoying the beyond the rim segments way to go guys also of note like the host my rewatch of b5 started with season two great content keep it up except the vitriolic comments I understand people don't like it, and that is their right. But the over-the-top, I'm never going to like this stuff is inane. Signed, Yuri Hood. But it was a five-star review, so thank you, Yuri Hood. John will reply to your hate mail as soon as he returns from Europe. I'll read it on the uh, special portion. Yes, and again, as we pointed out in our last episode, if you do send us hate mail, Jesse will read it. So Dramatically. For you, dramatically. Melodramatically, depending on the hate mail. So you can send your hate mail via review on your podcast app of choice, be it Apple, be it Spotify, be it Amazon or Audible, whatever that is, anything you can send your review in and we will read it and we will enjoy it one way or the other. I enjoy reading your hate mail. I really do. Okay, let's go ahead, guys, and start talking about survivors. Now, one other thing we got um, from a member of our Facebook community was a request that our newbies got to do their first impressions first, which I completely love the idea and wish I would have came up with it. So we're going to have all of our newbies do their first impressions. And then the old guys will go ahead and pop in uh, if we have anything that the newbies didn't talk about. So let's go to Jesse first. First impressions on survivors. And before we get started with Jesse, just so everyone knows contextually, Jesse actually watched this episode, was so excited that she decided to watch the next episode too. So we're going to find out real quick if she can remember what she saw with Survivors. Here we go. First of all, I didn't do it on purpose. So there was no excitement for the next episode. It was, oh, I've got to watch the new episode. So let's watch it. Since I already watched the last one last week, trying to get ahead. Um, This episode, I'll tell you, it wasn't my favorite. Um, It was just kind of an episode. So it was... 
I, I spend most of these episodes not having any idea what's happening for most of the episode until the end. And then I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So maybe it would benefit me to go back and watch it again so that I can start to put the pieces together. It was fine. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It just, I don't think it was one of my favorites. And I don't remember most of what happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go to Justin next. First impressions and brief first impressions, Justin. <laughs> yes, sir. I'll be good. The most important thing to come out of this, I'm kind of in the same boat as Jesse. I was kind of meh about most of the episode, to be honest with you. But um, the most important thing is that I guess came out of it was the um, was a little bit more diving into the home guard. Um, that's something I've been kind of following. I guess most of this first season is what's been kind of drawing my interest the most. So I'm kind of was good to see that to kind of develop a little bit more. I was kind of curious, though, when was this filmed in filming order? When did this episode? Let me look for you because I have that one moment. Because the reason why is it looked the CGI looked worse in this episode than in episodes before it. Like that whole scene on the train to me looked like something coming out of a really bad like 90s computer game cutscene. This is actually production order 11. So it's pretty close to when it was. uh, I will say. Uh, and I was going to mention this later. They are trying new things with this episode. For example, uh, the last scene where uh, Kitmer is uh, boarding her shuttle. The only thing in that scene that is physically filmed is her and the ladder. That is it, which sounds like, OK, that happens every five seconds on every movie ever. But in 1994, this was cutting edge stuff. So keep that in mind. And then I guess the only other thing that really came of note, well, two things actually is um, I notice I have a lot of questions about Jakar recruiting other Earth Alliance people into like a spy network because he was pretty quick to jump on Garibaldi there. Um, so I'm kind of like, well, how is, does he actually like Garibaldi or is this kind of a ploy of his and how many people does he have in his payroll? I'm kind of actually really disappointed that we didn't actually get to really see anything about the presidential visit. Like, is that for a reason? Did they just not have money to hire an actor? Or is there a reason why we hear about the president or and hear his voice, but we never actually see him? That's pretty much it for me. That is a good question. That sounds like something we will talk about once we kick beyond the rim. And I, I forgot. I forgot to mention that for anyone who's joining us for the first time, and I don't know why you'd be joining us for the first time on Survivors, but sure. Uh, we have two segments here. The first one with our newbies is going to be spoiler free. We will talk about this episode and it came before this episode, but that's it. And then once we kick the newbies off, Blake, Mike, Kevin, and I will go ahead and talk about the entire show in relation to anything that came up in this episode. That's a, a good question, Justin, that we will talk about once you're not around. So enjoy. Yay. Emily, what do you got? Yeah, it was definitely not my favorite. It felt like something was missing, and I'm not even sure what. The storyline wasn't that bad, but something about it just felt like it fell flat. And that's about all I got. <laughs> Andrew, how about you? Uh, also pretty meh. Uh, I did like that we kind of got a, l- a few little hints uh regarding garibaldi's past yeah that's all i got just it's meh <laughs> it was meh nicole what do you got it was meh see i actually really like this episode nicole I mean, you are just a bundle of positivity all i know <laughs> i know but no i liked it because um what i really liked about it was you really got to see ivanova just like clap back quite a bit like i wrote down and highlighted some of the lines of hers that i love so i kind of feel like this episode really made me like her a lot more. Like I was like, okay, girl, get it, girl. Like I really, 
I really liked seeing that side of her, um, her just like not giving a fuck and clapping back and whatever. Um, I really thought it was kind of bullshit how they tried to do my man Garibaldi dirty because he's like one of my favorite characters I've said from the beginning. I thought that Cutter guy was kind of shady in the beginning, but I wasn't sure because, you know, I figured that originally it was that lady, uh, uh, Liana, Liana. I thought maybe she had something to do with the whole framing thing, but I thought it was a good story. Um, I liked how it was (laughs) Garibaldi just kind of like went to the underworld. He went to that praying mantis freak. He went to you know, Londo, he went to Jakar, like he kind of went to everyone and you saw like, you know, Londo really is his friend and likes him. And then Jakar is kind of like, let me hire you to be in my cult of creepy spies, you know? So I thought there was a lot of different cool kind of interweavings of storylines. It was a little predictable. Like I knew that, you know, it was going to work out and I I just knew, I don't know. I just kind of got it. Um, I don't know. I liked how like Sinclair and Ivanova had his back and were kind of pushing back on that. I'm invoking my right to do this. And they're like, no, you're not. <laughs> you know, I just, I don't know. I guess I like the sass, but yeah, overall, I really, I like this episode. I mean, it wasn't like, oh my God, it's amazing, but it definitely was pretty good. I thought, you know, it's, it's funny. John is the one who's dogged on Garibaldi the most. And we kind of alluded to this episode a couple different ways. Uh, one is I said that for those who have watched D space nine, Garibaldi is Miles O'Brien and he must suffer. And this is our first Garibaldi must suffer episode and spoilers. It will not be the last Garibaldi must suffer episode. Um, He's definitely that character, which happens to the everyman usually on TV shows, but also, you know, we kind of alluded to the fact that John has mentioned a couple of times that Garibaldi is the worst detective in his mind, but now we kind of got an idea of how things work down below. For example, it looks like Garibaldi's scared of Negrath to an extent because he understands what Negrath, uh, the praying mantis for those playing the home game, uh, has available to him in terms of resources. I mean, when Negrath told him to get the hell out, Garibaldi's like, I think it's time for me to go. Sounds good. Um, So I think we kind of got an idea here about how much the underbelly of Babylon 5 is not something you can just clean up. It's like any major city. Your chief of police is not going to go into the worst neighborhood and try to just fix things. It just doesn't happen that way. And we kind of got that for the first time here. So that's the one that I enjoy about this episode. Blake, what do you got for first impressions? I'm going to comment just a little bit on some of the technical aspect of the show itself right now, because most of us, I believe, are watching what they're calling the HD remastered um, that they've got either on HBO Max or that they've put out through um iTunes now, but my, my issue with it is it's not that great of a remaster. I mean, we're talking about some of the CGI stuff and you look at some of the HD remasters they've done of the original series. So with this remastered version, what they did was like a minimal touch up. And, you know, one of my biggest complaints with it, we talk about where this show was ahead of its time. It was filmed in 16 by nine aspect ratio. It was filmed for widescreen. Mm-hmm. So when they restored it, they've kept it to the 4-3 ratio for what TVs were at the time. They've not put it back into the 16 by 9 aspect ratio. They've not done a true retouch of the visuals. They basically just did minimal pieces to it, what to me amounts to Instagram filters over it. So, you know, touching on that piece with this remaster, it really isn't that good. You look at some of the actual still images they've done of like Babylon 5, the station or some of these other spaces, and they look incredible. So they have the ability to do it. They just did not do it with this remastered version on a technical you know, piece. I completely agree with you. And that's why, and I haven't mentioned this before, 
Uh, I'm one of the nerds and Blake, you probably do have them too. And Kevin, potentially Uh, I have the DVDs. So I have been watching this on the DVDs. And the reason is because on the DVDs, it is widescreen, um, which just makes me so much happier Um, in terms of technical differences. There's not much. Uh, the DVDs, as we already mentioned, are in a different viewing order. So if you are watching with the DVDs, you got to be careful because we are following the um, HBO Max uh, release order, which is what we're going with. But um, the DVDs, I, I do enjoy more because they are in that widescreen format. I absolutely agree with you on that. And because I bought my set, I don't have the DVDs anymore, but I bought it off iTunes a few years ago. Uh, Mine still the DVD version that was on iTunes because um, I wouldn't pay to upgrade it to the remastered because I can do that on HBO max if I want to. Yeah. Um, as far as first re- reactions out of the episode itself, I actually do like this one. Um, I liked it from the beginning uh, with the storyline of it, um, what it sets up with Garibaldi's background um, and getting into the issues of Garibaldi. You know, we've heard throughout the series so far about how he's been bounced around different commands. This gives us some background into kind of why some of that's happened um, with Garibaldi. It also explores, you know, both on screen and off as we've addressed Garibaldi's had issues with alcohol. Um, and this is not going to be the first time in Babylon 5 this comes up with issues around substance abuse and stuff. And for those of us that have read Straczynski's book, the book puts into context, he really did write himself and his story into some of these episodes. And I think this is one of the ones where we really see that. And I, I will say that came up too uh, in the Usenets as well. And he pointed out even back then in 94, even though he's not an alcoholic, in fact, Straczynski doesn't drink and has never drank. Uh, at least not in a very long time. But he has pointed out he is the first member of the Straczynski line to not be an alcoholic. So he lived with it. The other rough part about this is uh, meta wise, Jerry Doyle was an alcoholic uh, and he was actually proud of it. And I, w- I will say that because he said it. he was a proud alcoholic and he did not feel that it was an issue that he had to work on to a point where he flaunted it sometimes. And unfortunately, um, we lost him a few years back in part due to alcoholism. So every time we have a Garibaldi is an alcoholic episode, which there'll be more of, it's rough to watch just knowing what happened to the person behind the persona on that. Mike, what do you got for first impression? Well, that's a tough act to follow. <laughs> Overall, I think it, it's a solid enough episode. It's um, not particularly exciting uh, i think it's a good reminder what justin said about how it does kind of bring home guard back into the picture because they're a very you know uh, menacing presence in the series and kind of highlights the fact of yet again you've got a, a home guard operative in a very high place of power on the president's security staff like they're number two um but other than that, I mean, this does, I get the the lack of enthusiasm because while it might be a solid episode with a solid premise, it's a little bit like an 80s, an episode of an 80s cop drama in, in a Babylon 5 setting that doesn't necessarily take that much advantage of science fiction, which uh, this is a sci-fi show. So um, yeah, you know, overall it's, it's fine. I do think there are some really nice character pieces. I particularly enjoy the interaction between garibaldi and londo and and especially the well i shouldn't say especially but also the interaction between garibaldi and jakar because i just like seeing jakar on screen and kind of always hearing what he's up to and that he's always kind of five steps ahead of everyone you know it's i already knew you were coming because we watched them we know that they watch us everybody watches everybody nobody bothered to go to the mimbari because they're not helpful (laughs) 
And uh, I did want to also point out that Mantis Dude Negrath does wear clothing. I noticed it in this in this uh, episode when I was rewatching it. He has some kind of a biker vest on, in he, case anybody modest. was curious. He's modest. Um, he has to clean up. <laughs> I thought that was funny. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's it is kind of a meh episode. It's there's nothing necessarily to fault with it. It's just not particularly exciting and i'm glad you brought up justin's thing again about jakar because one thing i was going to mention i just forgot is this isn't the first time that jakar has tried to recruit somebody from earth force we saw it in the gathering i think he was trying to recruit lita for a little bit more than just to join his side but jakar is definitely liking to recruit folks kevin what do you got enjoy this episode i think that uh, I, I agree with Mike. The character pieces are probably the best part of this, the character development on Garibaldi. And I really enjoy the interaction between Sinclair, uh, Ivanova and Garibaldi in this. It really shows their more tight knit, uh, you know, loyalty towards each other, um, which, you know, definitely is a, a hallmark of, of uh, sci-fi shows. Usually the, the leadership have that, and this show is no exception to that. This is an, a sh- an episode that has a couple of really great quotations in it. I, I really enjoy the, the Jakar quote where he says, the, the universe is run by a complex interweaving of, the th- of three elements, energy, matter, and enlightened self-interest. I would put that on my wall. <laughs> it's such a good quote. I enjoy this episode. I, I, I'm not one of those that uh, is, is ready to dump this one if I were to speed through uh, the first season because I, I think some of the information about, you know, down below and, you know, the president's staff and all that I think is interesting. Nicole, go ahead. I just wanted to touch on a couple of things that actually you said, Scott, and just a, a couple other people mentioned. The one thing you'd said about how um, Garibaldi was kind of like in the underpart and like, you know, the chief of police doesn't go down there and fix it or whatever. It kind of made me think of the paralleled story that he told Sinclair about how he was on that other planet and that it was like half, you know, basically corrupt and half people getting paid off. and, And he was like the only one who seemed to care. And it was very... I feel like it was very similar to kind of what he deals with in Babylon five and the underbelly with the praying mantis guy and all them. And um, it just made me think of that when you said that I was like, that's a really interesting parallel. And then also Mike, you had said about the interaction between Londo and him. I really liked when, um, you know, he was like, why are you helping me? And uh, Londo was like, you and I are what we call the common man. And, you know, or the, what did he say? I wrote it down. Not common man, the, um, odd man out and yeah and you know he goes if I can do something to help the odd man out when I want to basically and I just thought that was a really cool interaction between them because I kind of do feel like as fun loving and and you know whatever as Lando is as you've seen his character progress you do see that there are a lot of things that are like missing in his life and he kind of feels like the odd man out in a way so I just thought it was really a cool interaction between them and I think they really do have an, an honest friendship and connection. And if if it's apparent in any other episode, it's definitely this one. Um, at least that's what I took from it. I bet it's a genuine connection between them. I think you're right on that. I think we absolutely see that. That And that I like that the show continues to kind of build those relationships, both positive and negative, because we've seen that kind of relationship between Garibaldi and 
Londo since the gathering. And I'd say it's great to continue to see that. Mike, what do you got? Garibaldi's backstory is also very reminiscent to Takashima from the from the gathering. Um, she basically outlines the same situation that she is the lone straight shooter among a bunch of people who are either too corrupt or too apathetic to care that everyone is corrupt. Uh, only her direction kind of veered in a different way where instead of having somebody come and immediately pull, well, I guess somebody did come in and, and pull her out of it at some point but she even admits that before that she had started to go down the path of not giving a crap either but uh, still very similar and i think the overarching kind of theme is that obviously earth force has some problems and i don't know if this is the case or not but i'm going to make an assumption and blake this is something you bring up a lot the trap doors i i bet you that some of what we're getting with garibaldi now was originally planned for takashima and the fact that takashima the actress left the show uh, some things get moved to other characters, which is something you'll see with JMS a lot. Um, and so I wonder, uh, and I'm sure somebody listening at home is like, well, if you look at the Babylon 5 encyclopedia, it will tell you that blah, 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 blah. But I haven't read that yet. So, But I wonder if this is something that may have been a T- Takashima storyline that kind of carried over to Garibaldi once we lost that character. Could um, be. JMS has said he reassigned a lot of those pieces. Yep. That absolutely could be the case um, with this piece just kind of being carried into Garibaldi yeah. with the various ways that he moved us. Because he didn't want to lose those pieces. He just moved them to different characters. Yeah. And I think Mike makes a very good connection there because I didn't even think about it. That, yeah. I mean, it's, and it was Sinclair both times. Sinclair plucked Garibaldi from Mars, which we actually see in a comic book. I believe, if I remember right, Takashima says that Sinclair is the one who plucked her too from that um, situation. I think that's right. Although I guess in this case, Sinclair eventually does. But I was also kind of saying the her Liana's father is the the one who kind of helps Garibaldi stay on the straight path until he gets blown up. But but yeah, Sinclair is ultimately the guy that kind of pulls him out of the rubble and brings him to B five. Mm-hmm. Justin, what do you got? I, I really, honestly, don't know if 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 Lando is that sincere with Garibaldi or if it's just him. Um, trying to make friends in high places if that makes any sense it does um it's you can kind of see of course lando is kind of gearing gearing garibaldi kind of pointing the finger at jakar saying don't oh no don't come you know go talk to that guy i think he's behind it which is their natural butting heads anyway but um i think that especially after after garibaldi left lando just had a look on his face like that kind of a little bit of a half smirk i don't know if it was him feeling good about helping his friend or if it's like now Garibaldi owes me. And I think maybe that's, I, like I said, I still don't know if their friendship is genuine or if it's just him thinking I'm going to have this guy underneath my belt. I, and I do really much agree with, I really do think Ivanova is really starting to come into her own and I'm really starting to like that. The one that really caught me that I kind of um, giggled about was when they were talking on the silly bad CGI train, and he said that how nothing really surprises him anymore. And she said something about that's a very Russian attribute. You know, I commend you on that. I, I, it just stuck out to me for some reason. And then let us not forget the true hero of the day, Officer Welch, who comes Woo. in at at the who comes in at the end Woo. and saves the day with the most convenient case wrap up ever. So our so. buddy, uh, our buddies uh, from the other podcast, Yum Yum, which we had Ryan on earlier, and the Babylon First guys. We're talking about the hero of Babylon 5 and how it is Lou Welch. And I, 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 point <laughs> I agree. Out, I see it. 
I pointed out on Twitter, he's the hero we need and the hero we deserve. He is. Lou. I see it. I see it. <laughs> My buddy Lou. I'm on the Welsh bandwagon. I'm on the Welsh bandwagon. Be on, be on the lookout. As I think Ryan from Yum Yum called him the bald hero. So be on the lookout for the bald hero. Kevin, what do you got? One thing about Ivanova that I wanted to say was it's pretty clear from this episode, especially that she is fiercely loyal and very un- unapologetic about it. I, I really liked how she used every tool in the toolbox to get uh, the president's staff uh, off their case for a little while until they could try to get something figured out. Um, and then I had, I had something else about uh, Cobra Bay's something sort of technical about about this that I wanted to mention was that the the Cobra Bays aren't named that because of any specific type of ship, but <laughs> but there's there's four of them uh, on the rotating section um, near the front of the station that they kind of look like a, a Cobra with uh, its hood extended, um, and that's where the the uh, Star Furies drop from. And I, I just wanted to mention that it, it could be confusing if you didn't know exactly what that was all about. Um, I was just going to say about Ivanova too. Um, I really liked how she kind of like jammed up the communication channels with the test and she was just kind of like doing all she could to kind of stall them and, and kind of block them from what they needed. And then that girl goes and on her own ship and, t- and tattles basically um, but Justin already said one of the comments I wrote down that Ivanova said about that. That's a very Russian attitude. I commend you. I, I giggled at that, too. But my favorite, I think, was uh, when she said, you're going to resist, I hope, when they asked her to escort Kemmer out. I was like, get it, girl. Whoop her ass. I was kind of hoping there'd be a cat fight. But um, I really like that. And then when uh, she was like, I am in charge of this and you can make a request. And she goes, fine, I request this. And she goes, request tonight. Have a nice day. Click. Like, I just, those three lines had me literally snort laughing. I was just cracking up. So I really liked how she basically just did everything she could to prevent them from finding Garibaldi and also contacting their ship to kind of like take over. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I hear you. I will say, and I I said this at the beginning of the show, I think like episode two or one, depending on what you're looking at, is Ivanova is one of my favorite characters throughout. And this is one of those scenes, you're going to have many of these scenes where Ivanova just puts somebody in her their place. And the whole, if you put it in the form of request, maybe I'll listen to you. Request denied. <laughs> I love that. Andrew, go ahead. I also... Was, uh, got a lot of joy out of the Ivanova's line that you are you are going to resist. I hope. Like I actually kind of like clapped like when when she said that. I use that uh, a lot on our Twitter a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ivanova is also becoming one of my favorite characters. Like, I never hated her to begin with, but I'm starting to like her more and more, and she's definitely becoming more of a badass as the show goes on. Welcome to Team Ivanova. Good job. We're proud of you. <laughs> you can send your hate mail to gray17podcasts at gmail.com yeah stop asking for hate mail (laughs) like what do you got okay so i was just going to comment on we've talked a little bit about earth force and you know clearly there's issues with it when we hear about some of the stuff like garibaldi's previous posting and in prior episodes with you know issues around earth force not everything being perfect i think that's one of the hallmarks of this as a series is things aren't perfect humanity's not reached this perfect you know evolved state and really i don't think you can say anyone in this series has reached that uh when you and you look at it especially i mean look at modern military comparisons how many 
when you think about Babylon 5 and you look at, you know, the ties with Earth Force and this potential home guard threat that's coming up. I mean, look at how many members of the U.S. military are part of white supremacist and nationalist groups now. You know, look at how many issues come up out of corruption and issues in military bases and things within the current chain of command. You know, to think that all that would somehow be resolved in the future has been one. You know, you talk about science fiction and fantasy. I think that's been the fantasy of a lot of science fiction is that at a certain point in the future, you hit this point where people are just beyond that and don't do that. But this show really puts that front and center that humanity is very much flawed. The people humanity interacts with are very much flawed. And we just keep going with it and trying to be better. Can I talk about real quick how much I think one of the reasons why this episode, as Andrew put it, is meh or meh, meh. Yeah. Mid is the correct word mid, there. Or, mid. Or no, no, mid, mid, mid. Mid. Oh, oh, you said, I thought you said mid. mid the whole time. You were saying mid? I, no, no, I, no I, I did say meh, but, you know, if we're going to try to reach out to the younger demographic, uh, <laughs> mid. It was mid. Okay, Zoomer. Okay. Right. One of the issues I have with this episode is the actor playing Kimmer. Not to be overly mean, but I don't think she holds up well enough. She has think, no other acting credits. No, I, I don't. I, I, I have no background on her. I didn't look her up to see that. So that's good actually to know, Kevin, because that tells me a lot. I think it's not her. It's she reads the lines fine. OK, so my, my issue with the actor is she has a real problem emoting. Now, I think at the very end, when even when you're having that inter- interaction with Uncle Mike and she's supposed to be kind of the ice is supposed to be breaking uh, and she's supposed to open up more. You get the hug. She still has the same face the entire time. So as an actor, you've got to be able to show me some emotion in your face. And you, she shows me none. So I think that's one of the issues why I don't really get into this episode as much. I do, on the flip side, love Jerry Doyle, Doyle's per, uh, performance. I think he does a great job, especially in the bar, um, because, again, he's method acting. But um, I think he, he puts a lot more into this than she does. Anybody have anything else they want to add? John's absolutely right. Everybody is a terrible detective on Babylon 5. I, I, I'm starting to think so, except for Lou. Lou Welch. Like, nobody searched the quarters of the guy that got exploded. Are you fucking kidding me? Well, Sinclair told Lou to, so Lou did. Well, eventually, yeah, sure. And also, I mean, I get that Garibaldi was on his last rope and he had to go to Londo. And as Justin said, we don't know per se if Londo helped him out because he's a friend or not. But you're being uh investigated because you had centauri ducats in your quarters and so you go to the centauri ambassador and start walking around with 500 centauri ducats so maybe try to find a different way to get some cash if you're being told you're a russian spy uh, maybe don't use rubles i mean also the main villain of the episode pointed his gun at a dude like not even two feet away and then like took his eyes off of him (laughs) it happened to sinclair too Sinclair goes to his comm, starts talking, and fucking Garibaldi does a Batman and just disappears into the wilderness. I'm like, what? <laughs> I just I just envision on the other side of that is Garibaldi doing like the Roadrunner where he speeds up real fast, just running in place, and goes, <laughs> smoke bomb. This episode was, it was hard to watch Garibaldi drink. Because like, and I know you said it earlier, um, but that when you said it, that was a hundred percent something that I was, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is uncomfortable because he's actually an alcoholic. It was hard. It was, it was hard to watch. And it was, it was disappointing to watch too, because he was, I mean, he, you know, that's, you can tell in the show 
that that's what he battles with when he when he struggles he goes back to the bottle and he was so disappointed in himself so it was it was definitely more of a like a darker episode i think uh, i really do enjoy garibaldi as a character i think he's one of the best ones on the show but i agree with you completely because there is a lot of meta information that we will gain not only through the show but also it's been 30 years a lot has happened and so it is it is painful i completely agree with you on that one thing i was curious about and maybe i'm making this up but the alien that he took the hat from and gave the money to did he write him out and tell yes he was in there okay yes i thought so i was like what a little shit like he He, went and told on him he took his he took his ducat again you're giving out Centauri ducats when your evidence against you as you have Centauri ducats. And the guy ran and got the reward too. Yeah, absolutely. He did. And then the other alien he was drinking with was a Drazi, which as you guys, this is uh, Kevin, this is not a spoiler, but pay attention. The Drazi makeup is used a lot in this show. <laughs> so it's like count the Drazis. How many Drazis? It's like the shady count. How many Drazis are in an episode? Emily, what do you got? Okay, can we talk about how terrible Leona is, like, as a character? Oh, as a character? Like, not the acting, but as a character. Like, she was just going to take over the whole damn station by saying, oh, I have presidential authority. Seriously? (laughs) Like, she was... Yeah, I wish we had a a counter for every time we heard that phrase in the episode. Presidential authority. Yes. How many of us raise your hand which is going to be great for audio if you've ever dealt with a power hungry person in your work uh place and it doesn't have to be like presidential authority but just hi i look i I especially love the person who will come and like give you the policy procedure manual and open which is actually what she does in this episode and open up the policy procedure manual and say here's where i can am right and here's where i get to do this those are always fun people Let's keep in mind, though, that she is essentially Secret Service advance team. So I think that there's probably a great deal of um, leeway that Secret Service advance teams get for such things, but probably not this much. Yeah, she seemed like she wasn't even willing to listen to standard, like, how the station runs. Like, she was just going to come in there and take it over and say, screw you guys, I'm doing what I want. But I wonder, and not to defend her too much, because I agree, she's not exactly a very strong character, but I wonder, does she act like this every time she goes somewhere where there's a potential threat? Or is it just because, again, Uncle Mike is there? So she's also dealing with the trauma of what she lived through, and that is coming out in her power hungriness. Again, I think if a better actor had taken it on, we would see that more and get more out of it. But I mean... I know I've beat up on her a lot, but I'm going to do it one more time. This scene where she is with her second in command, who turns out to be the conspirator. And she is right when she just got smacked down from Ivanova. She still just stares at the screen after Ivanova goes off the screen and she's just staring at the screen. And she's still got those, those pursed lips with the frown. And it's just like, it's the same freaking face the entire <laughs> episode. <laughs> I was just going to say at the end, she even admitted that um, Sinclair was right. She was out for blood. She wasn't trying to get justice and that she wasn't really actually trying to do the right thing and do a proper investigation. She just wanted to hurt Garibaldi. And she even admitted that. Yeah. And I, I think it, the writing is solid. Uh, I will say that the the, the the writing is solid. The the whole storyline of the idea that this, you know, your your past experiences come back to haunt you makes perfect sense thematically, especially when you're dealing with Garibaldi and his drinking and her dealing with her father's death and Garibaldi being involved in that and everything. It all makes sense on paper, but the execution 
is my problem. And the actor did not execute it to where it made sense to me. If I think, and now I'm just beating a a dead horse, but if we had a better actor in there playing this character, I think this episode would be more than mid or mid. Let's go ahead and move into questions and predictions. And I'm sure you'll have so many for this episode, but any questions that remain or predictions? And we'll go to Jesse first. I have questions about the episode I watched today. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the funny thing. Science importance. It's going to have a very long beyond the rim. So many questions. Um, I have the, one of my questions is why can't we see Santiago? Somebody said, um, yeah, that, that why couldn't we see him when they said that he was coming to Babylon five, I was like, yeah, we get to finally meet him. And then it was disappointment all over again. Justin, how about you? I agree with Jesse. Like if there, there, there's a reason why we don't ever see Santiago. And I would like to know what that is someday in a few years. I, I want to kind of know more. Um, I'm, I'm, I hope we see more about kind of the internal spy networks, all the different races are developing on the station, because if the Narn are doing it, you know, probably a good chance everyone else is doing it too. And just who's under whose payroll and stuff like that. Um, just because I love mafia films and that always seems to be kind of a central theme to it too. I just want to close with the big steaming, stinky pile of foreshadowing that was dropped in our laps. Basically, Garibaldi says to her, keep them safe because we need all the friends we can get. Dun, dun, dun. I've got a feeling something's going to happen to Santiago and that's just going to cascade into a home front resurgence or something major is going to happen. And I think we're going to, I, I was I was thinking we're going to see her again, but now because she doesn't have any other acting credits, we know that we're not going to see her again. But I think just, him. yeah, Kevin, thanks for blowing it for me. Um, but I just honestly, something happens to Santiago, I think, with that whole that whole comment there just like really stuck to me like, OK, something's going to happen. And here comes home front trying to take everything over and. Maybe that's the war that I talked about in a previous episode. I don't know. I was just going to say, what, yeah. what's going to happen, Justin? What's your wild-ass guess? I mean, he gets assassinated or something. How? I don't know. Maybe he gets blown out of an airlock. Something cool. But my, just much something's like, going to... Uh, Jakar's last uh, attache just gets right. thrown out of the lock. Right. You know, Off so, camera. <laughs> yeah. Just say, I mean, we're never going to hear, see or hear, I mean, see or hear from him again. And But, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, president's dead. He got blown up, you know, and now... It's going to cause this power vacuum, and it's just going to be a big mess. So, you know, Justin, it is interesting. Uh, we fi- we finally got an answer to one of your questions that you've been asking for a while, and that is who is pro alien, who pr- is not pro alien in Earth Alliance, uh, and we finally get an answer to that somewhat, and the fact that Santiago, the president, is very much pro alien, and that's mm-hmm. the whole point, and he's also a fan of Babylon Five. You yep. hear that straight from uh, our friend's face. So, uh, which means which means home guard's going to take him out. That's so, that's what I think. So her face potentially. That you don't like. What was that? Her face. You I don't hear like. it straight from her face that you don't like. That's why I said it that way. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Appreciate it, <laughs> Emily. Questions, predictions. First question: When do I get Dylan back? I miss her. <laughs> Next episode. Okay, I can verify that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. Her. I I'm just here for Dylan. Mike's here for Londo. You're here for Dylan. John's here for Hate. It's all the same. <laughs> Nicole, questions, predictions. Uh, my question would be, are we going to see any more shenanigans from the Home Guard people on Babylon 5, which is also kind of a prediction because I think we're probably going to. Other than that, I just, 
I didn't even catch that foreshadowing, Justin. That was a really good um, point that you made. Um, but I do feel like something major is going to happen. I feel like it just, there's too many things that keep coming there and happening, you know, like between the soul hunter and the, you know, sick kid conflict and this, and it's like every episode, there's something that's coming there to fuck up Babylon five, you know? And I also wonder if it has any correlation with the fact that all the other Babylons didn't work. Like what happened to those? Were they destroyed? Was it sabotage? Were they blown up? Like, you know what I mean? So I'm wondering if like there is a hidden theme here where maybe people don't want Babylon 5 to be successful. So they're having all these shenanigans to try to challenge and complicate things there. Well, and let's recap a little bit because we do have answers a little bit to that question. We know that we've heard this already. We know that Babylon 1 through 3 were destroyed before becoming operational. We know, And we know that Babylon 4, minutes after becoming operational, disappeared. That's what we know so far. Yeah, it just seems like somebody's out for the Babylons. You know, like they don't want it to be successful. They don't want it to work. Well, it would never be the first time that somebody wasn't a fan of peace talks. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> or four-day work weeks. <laughs> that episode comes in two weeks, Mike. <laughs> Okay, so we'll go ahead and uh, jettison the newbies there. But I will say, uh, I'm looking forward to next week, guys. I know this week was a little bit not as impressive as some, but I, it's no it's no secret. I said at the very beginning, the first episode we recorded, episode zero, The Gathering, that this season is called Signs and Portents. And the next episode we're going to watch is Signs and Portents. So I'm looking forward to having your reactions to that episode next week when we record that. But uh, for those who are joining us for the first time, we're going to go ahead and, say, as Justin said, with the potential president, we're going to send our newbies out the airlock. Who People who have already watched the show will stick around and we will go beyond the rim and answer all these questions and predictions that our newbies have had. Until next week, when we talk about signs and portents, I'm Scott and with me as always is Jesse, Blake, Justin, Nicole, Emily, Mike, Kevin, and Andrew. Before you leave us, newbies, make sure again, like, subscribe, review, and join us on our conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are having conversations with different people on each one, which is great. So please join us over there, and we will see you next week. Dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to this podcast and links to our social media accounts at anchor.fm slash gray17podcast. We want to hear from you, so please join the discussion on Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Gray 17 is a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. You can find all the Front Row shows at thefrontrownetwork.com. Gray 17 is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All audio clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing Babylon 5 themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The Rim. And beyond that? The truth. Welcome back, everybody. Again, final warning, if you have not watched Ahead of Survivors, you should leave us now because we are going to spoil 
Uh, I would say everything, but with this episode, there's not much to spoil, but we do have some questions, predictions from our newbies that we will be answering. So if you do not want to get spoiled for what happens next, go ahead and leave now. So uh, guys, uh, let's just go through this real quick. Kevin, anything you want to answer for the newbies? Well, um, they all want to know why they don't see the president and is something going to happen to him? And spoiler, yes. Justin's um, dead on, except for the airlock part. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, it's it's the major part of the 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 you know season ending cliffhanger is that he gets blowed up. I would argue it's the major turning point of the entire show because the show, the show pre Santiago death, post Santiago death is an entirely different show for yeah, many reasons. For sure. Yeah. Um, oh, we do uh, see Santiago though. We will see him uh, on a computer screen. <laughs> As he's given yeah. a speech, I think. So the answer is yes, you will see Santiago just before he gets obliterated outside of IO. The transfer point at IO is where he dies. I'm trying to find it because there was JMS has been like answering tweets like crazy the last couple of weeks. He's getting Facebook. excited about his new stuff, is what he's doing. Yes. But someone made there was a tweet that made a comment about the president not being on screen. And I'm trying to find it. Um, because JMS actually responded to huh. it. Um, I, I know for a fact we see him at least once, the, but it's it's like very limited. It was, it a, it was specifically it's a question like, a, like, why isn't the president a bigger part in some of these? And yeah, I'm trying to find it because he directly. Well, when you find that, Blake, we'll insert it. I'll, we'll just keep yeah. rolling, but you find it. So, you know, in my head canon, we don't see Kemmer again. In my head canon, she's on Earth Force One when it gets goes boom. Yeah, I was reading. Uh, Babylon Project uh, website, and they they said that JMS has previously said that she because she was on the advance team that she was generally not with the president and would not have died on on uh, you know with the president. But yeah, well, I can be hopeful and hope she dies. <laughs> I'm I'll, I'll, okay. I'm I'm being extremely mean, but actually, I I do like the 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 the, the theme of like redemption and mm-hmm. leaving the past in the past and moving on. I just wish we would have had an actor who could have pulled it off. That's all I asked for. Um, especially when Jerry Doyle is acting his freaking heart out and she's fucking wooden. Um, go for it. Okay, so there's a Twitter discussion with a few different people talking about Babylon 5. And they're they're not just talking about Santiago, but also Clark. They're talking about both presidents uh-huh. um, in the tweeting. And one of them says, the question I've always had for Straczynski is whether it was a deliberate choice to make the president an almost never on-screen character who is totally bland and forgettable and not, you know, some of these classical, like, presidential roles. And Straczynski's response was, that's how it was written. It was very much deliberate not mm. to have. So, you know, it wasn't a budget thing. It wasn't a casting. It was Straczynski saying it was very much deliberate not to have the presidents, either Santiago or Clark, on screen in the show. Did he say why? I have a he couple did not of elaborate to a why. He just said it was very much written that way. I, I think my assumption is he wants the story to remain at Babylon Five and not yeah. be an Earth Force story or an Earth Alliance story or whatever. But you, you can, think of some other stories. I mean, even I'm thinking um, V for Vendetta with uh, oh, yeah. with uh, what is it, Sattler? You uh-huh. hardly ever see Sattler as a character in some of that. But you, know, it's just you very seldom see him on the screen, even though it's such a presence in this narrative and the story. Well, we do see Clark when he blows his head off. So I'm looking forward to that. Even that, you don't, really, you don't really see. You well, see the writing. He's, you he's see at the, the desk. You don't see him. Uh, well, we definitely see Clark, though. I mean, maybe if it's just 
It's on screens. Yeah, and we we see an ISN where he's actually talking to the camera. He's always either on a screen. There's never any direct interaction. You know, because like in the movie, um, in in the the beginning, beginning, yeah, you see the Earth President at her desk because it's Trish O'Neill. Yeah, you see Trish O'Neill at the desk as the Earth Alliance President giving the final call for ships to defend Earth. You never see Clark or Santiago either one of them in that kind of a a role in B5. You see him either on a video screen as a recording or you see Clark's hand writing. You never actually see them as a presence. You know, and that's one of the reasons why I I do enjoy in the beginning quite a bit. And I just watched it again when we got to the sky full of stars is because we get to see some stuff that we don't usually see on B5. We get to see the kind of inner workings of Earth Alliance. We get to see Jakar and Londo having their interactions with um, with Earth Alliance at Earth, which is something we don't get to see. We also get to see the uh, Battle of the Line. We get to see what the pilots were kind of going through uh, right before the Battle of the Line, which is interesting, too. Is there a conspiracy to undermine B5 is what Nicole asked. And the answer is 100% yes. But also what I'm looking forward to with Signs and Portents next week is there is a conspiracy to help Babylon 5. We're going to find out next week that not only was Sinclair uh, very much messed around with by the Mimbari, but the Mimbari made it very, very clear that Sinclair would be running Babylon 5. And they went through a whole bunch of people before they got to Sinclair on the list to get him to be commander. And of course, we know later on down the road, partially because of in the beginning, Blake, is the Vorlons have something to do with that too. Because the Vorlons in their own kind of, you know, quizzical way have said that the way this has to work is Sinclair must be alive and Sinclair must be in charge of Babylon 5 at this moment. And the Mimbari know that because the Vorlons have told them. And so the Mimbari are making sure all the chess pieces are in place. So we will definitely see that conspiracy take shape next week. Um, I think the conspiracy they're seeing against Babylon 5, I don't think, I think they're thinking the conspiracy is coming from Home Guard. And, you know, I think where we'll, they'll get to eventually with the conspiracy against the Babylon stations is it's more than that, because we'll figure out eventually that it's the forces of the shadows recognized before for what it is. And yeah. keep my storyline is still a little different at this point. It's starting to change directions. That's true. But, you know, at this point, the, the conspiracy against the Babylon stations, really, you'll see when you start to figure out just how much the agents of the shadows have infiltrated earth and have helped facilitate some of this home guard issue and have helped drive some of this, that the conspiracy against the Babylon stations is part of the larger um, battle between the shadows and the, uh, what will become the army of light. This is also one thing I, I, and I don't know if this was actually planned out or not, but what I love is if you go back and look at like, we will see before and we will see it very soon. Uh, and every time I see before, I think of Star Trek Nemesis, which whatever, but we will see before, but um, B1, 2, and 3 kind of look like B4, uh, whereas in Babylon 5 looks a lot different. And we will find out later on, and I can't remember where we will, but we will find out that Babylon 5 looks different because it's made on the cheap. After four stations get blowed up or disappeared, Babylon 5 is one of those where it's like, okay, we'll keep doing it, but we're going to do it on the cheap. So I think, Blake, you make perfect sense there. I mean, at least in my head canon, I don't think we ever told this, but maybe the Shadows don't know which Babylon station they have to deal with a thousand years ago. If B1, 2, 3, and 4 all look kind of the same except for their color, then maybe that's why they wiped out all four of them, because well, three of them, before they could wipe out B4. 
uh, for that reason. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't think there's a conspiracy on B5 right now, the way Nicole's talking about, but there absolutely will be once Clark takes over because he's going to see B5 as an issue. But right now, I agree with you. It's it's more they're, they're a location, like we already saw Home Guard has tried to take out Mimbari on the Mimbari uh, homeworld. They've done uh, terrorist attacks on Earth and other uh, Earth colonies. So ba- Babylon 5 is just another location to screw with at this point. Am I missing anything, guys? Let's see. Will, Emily said, will Dylan be back? I already answered for her next week. Um, I think Justin has alluded a few times to believing that there's a civil war coming. And- yeah. Are we sure Justin hasn't read ahead? I, I asked Kevin this earlier, and he I'm said, "Pretty sure." Yeah. The one that we do know, Kevin told me this already, is Justin does know just because he saw trailers and stuff that Sinclair is not going to be captain or commander after mm-hmm. season one, which John knows that too. But I, I think Kevin's just, I know Kevin, I think Justin's just definitely paying attention. And the, the one thing that, as much as people say that you know the shadows are the big bad in Babylon Five. For me personally, the big bad is Earth because the Shadow War ends and we still have to take back Earth. And that's season four. And actually, the big bad after that is the Psychor, but that's for a whole nother day. And we get Telepass and Prada. Oh, God. Season five. <laughs> season. You know, as much as the newbies are, we're, we're, we're past it, I think. I think they're to a point now where they're all kind of mostly bought in, kind of. As much as they were having pains with the first eight or nine episodes of season one wait until we get to season five and we have to deal with fucking byron for like 13 episodes enjoy kids byron (laughs) you insult my namesake oh god but sleeping in light is well season sleeping in light was filmed season four so i can't even say that i was gonna say but sleeping in light still my favorite episode but it was filmed in season season four yeah anything else guys i i know we're not talking about much here but uh we're saving our powder keeping our powder dry because i expect and i i i hope so that this conversation is going to be a lot more detail when we get to signs and portents next week because we're going to see the shadows for the first time we're going to even though we're not going to be told of the shadows we're going to see them we're going to see mr morton for the first time well or the second time we're going to see him for the second time because he was on the gathering but whatever and we're going to see londo start doing some political maneuvering. Yeah, we're going to see a lot next week. But until next week, we will ask you again to make sure that you like, subscribe, and give us a review on your podcast app of choice. And also join us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. We have some really good conversations going there on all three. So please check us out there. Be back here next week to talk about signs important. So I'm Scott, and with me has been... Blake. Mike. And Kevin. Look at you. You all did it. Good job. We will see you next week. Thanks, everybody. More trouble than a toilet full of snakes, but I couldn't run this station without you. Let's go. You know this major camera? Ah, yeah, I slept with him.